Join with me this morning in turning to the book of Isaiah. We're in the very last chapter of the book of Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter number 66. Isaiah chapter number 66. We are going to be reading two verses. One verse we will take as our text verse. Isaiah chapter number 66, and I would like for you to notice verses 12 and 13. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 12 and 13. Isaiah 66, verse 12. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, ye shall be born upon her sides, and be dandled upon her knees. Then watch verse 13. This is our text verse this morning. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. The title of the message this morning is, A Mother's Comfort, the Lord's Comfort. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time to spend in your house today. We thank you for this special day to honor mothers. I pray that you'd help our hearts to be fixed and focused on you and our responsibilities Lord, your word does tell us to honor our mothers. And Lord, I just pray that today as we look at how a mother comforts her children, may we see the comparison that is made as to how you comfort your children. Lord, help us to glean from that and to, yes, be comforted from it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A mother's comfort, the Lord's comfort. Happy Mother's Day. This is still the day that our country has set aside to honor mothers. Now, honoring mothers is certainly biblical. It is as old as ancient Greek and Roman cultures. We know our nation's own history. That Mother's Day was first celebrated in 1907. President Woodrow Wilson signed a proclamation in 1914 designating Mother's Day to be held on the second Sunday in May, and it would be and is a national holiday to honor mothers. Now, as you know from previous messages through the years, Anna Jarvis was the woman who was the driving force behind our country really recognizing and celebrating Mother's Day. Anna wanted to honor her own mother, And she wanted Mother's Day to be an acknowledgement of all that a mother does for her own family. In Isaiah chapter number 66, the entire chapter is dealing with the future restoration of Israel. That's been a common theme lately, hasn't it? Not by design, but just as the Lord has led. And so in Isaiah chapter number 66, and in particular the two verses that we read, the, the text is detailing how God would comfort His own people as He restores them to their land, first of all, both historically, as He allowed them to return from the captivities, uh, both the Assyrian and the Babylonian captivities, but also how that He would restore them to their own land eternally and would forever be their God. And notice that in doing so, and in providing these details, The Lord compares His care for His own people to that of a mother's care for her children. In verse 13, as one 
whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Now, note that in the words that the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah, he assumes that we would understand that a mother does in fact comfort her children. And, and that not only does she comfort her children, but he assumes that we would understand how a mother comforts her children. And we want to spend our time this morning examining in more detail those thoughts and really looking at the two sources of comfort, a mother's comfort and the Lord's comfort. And in doing so this morning, I would like to draw your thoughts to three insights into a mother's comfort and the Lord's comfort. Three insights. First of all, this first insight, we see the affection that serves as the source of comfort. The second insight, we see the areas where the mother actually shows comfort. And then the third insight, the appreciation that should be conveyed because of the comfort. Those three insights that we want to consider this morning. We're thinking about a mother's comfort and the comfort that she provides to her children. And we compare that to the comfort that the Lord provides for His own children. A mother's comfort, the Lord's comfort. Notice the first insight, the affection that serves as the source of comfort. Now, there is a special bond that drives mothers to comfort their own children. There's a special bond. What is that special bond? Well, first of all, the special bond is family. They're of the same family. Notice the Bible says in verse 13, as one whom his mother comforted. And so there's a family connection. Notice the family connection as it relates to our physical, earthly mothers. Because they are our mother, and we are related, whether it be by them giving birth or whether by adoption, there is that drive to provide comfort to the child. Mothers, you especially look out for who? Your own children. Now, it isn't that you don't look out for another family's children, but you look out for your own children in a very special way. There is a connection and a bond that is made because why? You are mother. You are family. Washington Irving, who is the great author and diplomat in the United States here, he wrote this years ago. He wrote, a mother is the truest friend we have when trials heavy and sudden fall upon us. When adversity takes the place of prosperity, when friends desert us, when trouble thickens around us, still will she cling to us and endeavor by her kind precepts and counsels to dissipate the clouds of darkness and cause peace to return to our hearts. That's what a mother does for her own children. Now, sadly, I do have to note this morning, uh, because some mothers pervert this and take it to an extreme application. Uh, sadly, some mothers do take it to an extreme and uh, think that they ought to provide comfort for their children even when their children are not what their children are supposed to be. Uh, look, there's a whole message to be 
preached and taught on the instruction of a mother and the correction of a mother, right? Uh, But we'll leave that for another time. We're drawing the point this morning that there is the affection that serves as the source of comfort. What is that affection based on? It's based upon the family tie, the family bond, the mother's connection because she is family, she is mother. And I want you to think not only about the mother's connection as we talk about family, but the Lord's connection. Remember, the Lord is the one who is giving through the prophet Isaiah the Holy Scriptures, and specifically verse number 13. And notice again what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying in verse 13, as one whom his mother comforteth. So in other words, it is natural and right for a mother to comfort her own children. We understand that. He says, as that mother comforts her children, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Now he's talking to his chosen people, the nation of Israel. But by extension, he also relays those words to us as children of his spiritual family. We are children of the Lord. And because we are children of the Lord, by adoption, spiritual adoption, and also the new birth, we've been birthed into His family. We've also been adopted into His family. And because we are children of the Lord, the Lord promises to comfort us as though a mother comforts her own family, her own children. Who is God? How is God described in Scripture? Well, in many ways, obviously... But he is described as the God of all comfort. I want you to listen to these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, or if you desire, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, if you can get there in time. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Verse 4 who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Aren't you glad this morning that God is a God of comfort, that He is the God of all comfort, that He tells His people that as one whom His mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. Now, you know what? Uh, Jim and I... Uh, We don't have our mothers living here on this earth. And we won't get a call comforting us in the midst of life. We can't call our moms today and wish them Happy Mother's Day. They're not here. They've departed from this earth. But you know what? Isn't it great to know that we still have one that comforts us? The God of all comfort? God says that When we have here on this earth mothers that fail to comfort us, He will provide that comfort. In in Psalms 27 and verse number 10, the Lord said through the writer of the psalm in Psalm 27 and verse number 10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. We today, this very moment, as children of the Lord, We have a God who loves us, who has adopted us and birthed us into His own family. And He says in verse 13, As one whom His mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. That ought to give us encouragement and hope for daily living. Now when we think about this insight, the affection 
that serves as the source of comfort. It's not only based upon family, but it's also based upon a fondness. Now, I don't mean to be trite this morning, but there are some mothers who are not fond of their children. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this week, and of course I've always kind of been a crime buff, but especially so since I am in my secular position, but there's a case uh, that has national prominence now for a little over three years. It's called the Colt Bomb case. Uh, Lori uh, Vallow Day, uh, Daybell, uh, who conspired with her nutcase husband to kill her special needs child and her teenage daughter. And they buried him in their backyard. And uh, I'll tell you what, if any case deserves a death penalty, it's those two. And uh, here you find that, that yes, Lori Vallow Daybell was the mother of these two children. But she didn't have a fondness for these children. So it goes beyond the, just the familial tie. Yes, because there is the family relationship that should serve as the affection for the mother to show comfort, but it moves beyond that. It is a fondness for her children. The love of offspring was deeply embedded in the heart of Hebrew women. And motherhood, unlike today, was highly and deeply respected. In fact, in the Scripture, it is the logical thought process and it is the normal position that a mother will have affection and a fondness for her children. I want you to listen to this, and if you're in Isaiah 66, if you want to turn over to Isaiah 49, you can, but I'm going to read these two verses from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Did you get that? The Lord is asking through the prophet, does this make any sense that a woman would not have compassion on her own son, on her own children? Verse 16, Behold, I have graven thee... Excuse me, let, let me conclude verse 15. Let's read verse 15 again. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. Verse 16, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Again, he's talking to his chosen nation, Israel, and the capital city of Jerusalem. He's talking about the fact that though a mother should extend to a, 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 a position that is not really tenable. And that is that she would forget to have compassion on her own child. Should that happen? God is saying that, you know what? She might, but I won't. I will always comfort you. I will always have compassion on you. The Lord has a fondness for His own people. Albert Barnes, in commenting on the mother's natural love for her children, wrote, nature prompts to this, and yet there are those so depraved that they have no maternal affection. And we see that in society today, do we not? And so the first insight that we consider when we're talking about a mother's love, the Lord, or a mother's comfort, the Lord's comfort, we look at the affection that serves as the source of that comfort. 
There's a familial bond and a fondness that drives the mother and the Lord to comfort their own. Notice the second insight. Now we get more particular about the way that mothers and the Lord display their comfort. The second insight, we consider the areas where comfort is shown. Think about this in your own life. When do you need comfort the most? I want you to think about those specific situations in which you need comfort the most. Think about this. When does a child most need the comfort of a mother? And I want you to specifically think about these areas and think about how your own mother has provided comfort for you in these situations. And then I want you to draw the application that yes, the Lord also comforts His own people. A mother's comfort, the Lord's comfort. So when, when is it that we, need, we most need comfort? Well, first of all, when we consider our own faults. Our own faults. The word fault is used numerous times in Scripture. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. James tells us that we're to confess our faults one to another. What does the word fault mean as it is used scripturally? It literally means, these are the Hebrew and Greek definitions, it means an error, a lapse, transgression, or sin. And literally when we talk about our faults, we're talking about our sins. We're talking about our shortcomings. We need comfort when we think about and ponder our own faults, our own sins. Now, I want you to consider a mother's comfort. How does a mother treat us when we mess up? When we have blown it? When we have lapsed in our judgment? When we have done that which is incorrect? Yes, there certainly is some instruction and some teaching and some correction that goes into that, but is it not done with comfort? And is it not true that our mothers speak a comforting word to us when we are in the midst of being uh, burdened with the thought of our own faults? Our mothers can even forgive us when our faults have been directly against them. And they can comfort us and provide that encouragement to us so that we don't collapse under the burden of our own faults. And now think about how the Lord does that for His own. Think about the, and, and this, is, this is kind of a trick question this morning. Think about the last time that you sinned. When's the last time, and I mean this seriously, when's the last time you thought about your sin before the Lord? When is the last time that you did something, or you didn't do something that you were supposed to do, and you were burdened over it, and you thought about that as it relates to your relationship with the Lord? Have you been burdened over sin? Look, that's an entirely different topic. If you're never burdened over sin, and I'm talking about saved people, there's a spiritual problem. Okay, Saved people are supposed to be burdened over our own sin. That we have sinned against the Lord, and that we have sinned against others. And what happens when we begin to think about our own sinfulness and our own faults? We begin to 
they begin to weigh heavily upon us and they can begin to break us down to such, to such a degree that we can literally be overwhelmed in our souls because of our own faults and shortcomings. Now what does the Lord do in that situation? Can you imagine a mother that the child is overcome with their own faults and their own transgressions and perhaps the child has realized that the child has failed to follow the mother's commands and taking out the trash or some chore like that and they come and they confess that to their mother and they're burdened over it and they're sorry for it. How would you expect the mother to treat the child? Well, I expect nothing less of you because you're worthless. I'm sorry I ever had you. You don't serve any purpose here. You never do what I tell you to do. You make my life miserable. What would you think of a mother that would treat a child that way? Would you expect the Lord to treat His children that way? See, we've talked about this before. There is a difference between Holy Spirit conviction and satanic condemnation. The devil will do what I just did to you. You're worthless. You think you're a child of God? What kind of child of God would do that? You're nothing. You don't deserve the love of God. You're condemned already. That's satanic condemnation. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit gently leads us and convicts us of our sin. And you know what else happens? He comforts us. That's, we're going to get to that. What's another name for the Holy Spirit? The Comforter. The Comforter has come, right? And so the Lord comforts His people in the midst of our burden over our own faults. In Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, and I specifically wanted to include in the message numerous verses from the book of Isaiah so that we would understand that the Lord desires His people to know that He comforts them. And in Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, listen to this. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Verse 2, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Now watch that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The correction has happened. The Lord has has chastised the people of Israel. He allowed them to go into captivity, but He speaks words of comfort to them so that they might understand that His chastening endures but momentarily. And His love and His comfort endures eternally. When do we need the Lord's comfort? When do we need our mother's comfort? When we are burdened over our own faults. Secondly, when we have experienced failure. Don't you need a comforting word when you have failed? A mother's comfort when we try and fail. Perhaps you have memories this morning of times in your life where you have endeavored to do something and you have failed. Listen, failure is not fatal. You don't get anywhere in life unless you try and you endeavor. If you sit on the sidelines and you're afraid of failure and you never try anything, you will never accomplish anything noteworthy in this life. You're going to fail. But what happens when you fail? I remember the first time when I was a little boy, I tried out for the baseball team and I got cut. 
on the last cut. And not only did I get cut, but man, that cut, it hurt. You think I went home and my mom said, well, you know, you're terrible at baseball anyways. I never expected you to make the team. I don't know why you embarrassed the family name by doing that. I can't believe you got cut. Uh, <laughs> what are you even trying for? Is that the source of comfort that you would expect? Would you not expect your mom to put her arm around you and say, you know what, it's okay. You may have failed this time, but you'll get it next time. You're going to do fine. You'll practice and you'll correct what it is that needs to be corrected. And you know what, you're my boy. I have every confidence that you're going to do fine. That's comfort. How does the Lord comfort His own people? When we try for the Lord. When we want to really and truly live a godly life for the honor and glory of the Lord and we fail. The Lord gives us a task to do and we fail. How is it that the Lord treats us? Well, you know what? I'll never ask you to do anything else. I can't depend on you. You didn't get the job done. Is that how the Lord treats His own people? It is not. Now, of course, you understand that there is a there is a side to this. There's an aspect to this of where we're not taking our task seriously. And then that's another situation. But I'm talking about when we've really tried and we've failed. How about this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 6. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 6, the Bible reads, Nevertheless, God, get this, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us, by the coming of Titus. Those words there that are cast down, that's four words in the English, but one in the Greek. And it literally means one who is depressed or humiliated. Have you ever failed and you're depressed about it? I can't seem to do anything right. I have this one thing to get done, and I failed at this one thing. And we're depressed and humiliated. Do you know that there is a God that comforteth those that are cast down? God comforts us in that situation. We're talking about areas where comfort is shown. A mother's comfort. The Lord's comfort. When we're burdened over our faults. When we have experienced failure. And when we are in the throes, thirdly, of fear. And I realize that we don't like to talk about fear. You know, we're macho, manly, manly men. If you say you don't fear anything, you have a psychological problem. I'm serious. You need help. Because there are some things you should be afraid of. And, and we all experience fear in this life. And what better source of comfort for us as children... Uh, when, when, we're, when we're younger and we're going through these situations and we're experiencing fear and we're, we're in the throes of fear, what better source of comfort than our mother? Think about this. Fear when we are attacked. Fear when we're going through bullying. It might be bullying at school. It might be bullying online. It might be getting attacked and beat up. It might be anything that you can think of. Is there, is there anything better than a mother's comfort in that situation? In fact, Proverbs 17 and verse number 12 talks about how that a mother is going to come to the defense of her children. In Proverbs 17 and verse number 12, the Bible reads, Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man, 
rather than a fool in his folly. Now the point of the proverb is to draw attention to how stupid and idiotic fools can be. But notice the 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 uh, illustration that is used. Let a bear robbed of her whelps. Well, what does that mean? A bear robbed of her whelps. Well, listen to listen to John Gill on this topic. A bear is a very fierce and furious creature, especially a she bear, and she is still more so when robbed of her whelps, which she has just whelped and been at great pains to lick into shape and form, by which her fondness for them is increased and therefore being stripped of them is full of rage. So what's the point? A mother comes to the defense and comforts the child when the child is attacked. Think about the Lord's comfort. We are prone to attack in this life, are we not? You know, sometimes I really believe, and I'm not playing my, I'm not playing my little violin this morning, but sometimes it feels like I'm walking around with a, with a sign on me that says, Kick me. And I know we all go through those types of situations. It's like, okay, how did... Oh, what a great week. What a great week. I got this, and then I got this. And like, okay, is it me? What, what have I done here? What's going on here? And we all get in those situations where we are, we are fearful through the attacks that are made. And, and of course, fear brings these emotions that cause us to react to situations unreasonably. Okay? How does the Lord deal with that? Well, I want you to understand, and we've talked about this before, that, that roughly 62 times in Scripture the phrase, fear not, is used to encourage and comfort the Lord's people. And how about this illustration? In Isaiah chapter number 31. And we, we looked at verses in Isaiah chapter number 31 earlier in the year uh, that deal with how that we must understand that uh, man is just man. And you know what? The Lord can take care of us. And in Isaiah chapter number 31, the Israelites are trying to go to Egypt to get some help uh, so that they can be protected from the Assyrians who were the world power at that time. I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 31 verses 4 and uh, 5. Isaiah chapter number 31 verses 4 and 5. For thus saith the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion rearing, roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. Verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. This is the Lord saying to his people, I, I, I've got your back. I'm, gonna, I'm, this, I'm, I'm here to comfort you. It's going to be alright. We're not going to run at the attack of the enemy. We're going to stand and fight, and the Lord will deliver. How about this? Fear, fear uh, in the throes of fear because we're afflicted. There might be some sickness that we're undergoing some trials or some tribulations that are causing us to have a really hard time in life. Can you remember your mother's comfort? Have you ever been sick? And your mother took care of you and comforted you. Put you in that bed. Man, I can remember mom putting Vic Sav on my neck, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and my feet and, you know, doing everything that she could to make me get better, bringing me some, you know, hot chicken noodle soup or whatever was needed at that time 
I was sick. And you know, sometimes we're in the throes of fear because of sickness and trial and tribulation. We're afflicted and mom took care of us during those times. So does the Lord. One of the most recognized passages and verses in Scripture, Psalms 23. And in Psalm 23, verse number 4, who can ever forget these words? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Lord comforts His own. How does He do it? He gives us the Word of God that speaks words of comfort to us. Psalms 119 is all about the Word of God. And in Psalm 119, verse 50, the Bible reads, This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me or made me alive. And so there's the comfort uh, when we're in the throes of fear because of affliction. And then how about this? Comfort when we're in the throes of fear because of the assignment. The assignment. We've been given a task or job that we know we have to do. And we don't relish it. Our mother's comfort is there for us. She is there to tell us that we can do it. She's the one that says to us, you know what? You got this. You can do this. This task or this job that you've been given that you didn't ask for, you can handle it. She's there as a source of comfort. How about the Lord's comfort to us? You remember a guy by the name of Joshua? How'd you like to be Joshua? You talk about big shoes to fill. How would you like to fill Moses' shoes? Turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter number 1. In Joshua chapter number 1, I want you to notice the comfort that the Lord gives Joshua as Joshua is facing this assignment and is no doubt experiencing fear over what he must do. Notice Joshua 1 verses 4 through 9. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers only to give them. Excuse me, fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You want to talk about words of comfort. Joshua facing what might seem to be an insurmountable task is comforted by the Lord. There's another area in which we need comfort. And that has to do with the future. You ever have fear about what the future holds? You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You're at a crossroads in life. Things are changing. Things are not the same. You have no idea how things are going to play out. And you are, you are looking at the future and you're uncertain about the future. Is it any 
Is there anything as comforting for a child as a mother to sit down with them and hold them and say, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out. Things are going to be fine. As a mother comforteth her children, the Lord comforts us. Think about the Lord's comfort. Have you needed the Lord's comfort lately? This world is going crazy. It's insane what is taking place. This world is upside down and not in a good way. If you don't need the Lord's comfort, I don't know where you're looking for comfort. We need the Lord's comfort. I want you to notice how the Lord comforts His people as it relates to our future. Turn with me to the book of John. John chapter number 14. Notice John chapter number 14. And the Lord Jesus Christ is very careful to make sure that He is comforting His people about the future. Notice in John 14 verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So Jesus is very clearly comforting His people about their future. He knows that their hearts are troubled, and He says, let not your heart be troubled. I got this. Then watch verses 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Comforter with a capital C, the Paraclete, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth in, with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. <laughs> you talk about comfort about the future for the child of God, that's it right there. The Lord comforts us. He will not leave us comfortless. He will take care of us and provide us the comfort that we need. So we've looked at two of the three insights. The affection that serves as the source of the comfort. We've looked at the areas in which comfort is shown. Now we lastly look at this third insight, the appreciation that should be, be, be conveyed because of the comfort. Mothers deserve the highest honor and esteem. Yes, even today. They deserve the highest honor and esteem because it is fitting. It is fitting. Do you know that there are nine separate passages in the Bible in which we are told to honor our mothers? Nine separate places. It goes all the way back to the giving of the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, all the way through to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. We are to honor our mothers. There are examples untold in Scripture, and I just want to read one this morning. And you know that we couldn't preach on Mother's Day without turning to Proverbs chapter 31. And so turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, and I want you to notice verses 28 through 31. Watch. Who is it that's supposed to show appreciation to the mothers? Well, watch. Verse 28, Proverbs 31, verse 28. Her children arise up and call her blessed. I might ruin the message this morning by giving you the Hebrew word of Barak. <laughs> okay, a little political humor for you there. But that's the, that's the Hebrew word, blessed. She's 
the, her children arise and uh, arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. The husband praises the mother for the mother that she is of her children. There's a whole separate message on how the husband praises the the woman because she's a godly wife and a godly woman. But we're talking about Mother's Day today. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. We were watching the one of the news stories about this cult mom, Lori Vallow Daybell. And I'll tell you what, you look at her early in her life, you know, she's you know, in a beauty competition for Mrs. Texas, and she's got the blonde hair and so forth. And I'll tell you what, you look at her now, she don't look the same right now. Uh, and when you make a choice based upon outside beauty, you got to understand that that outside beauty isn't always going to be there. wonder what Chad's thinking now when he looks at her. Motivated by lust. Driven to kill those two innocent children. I hope he gets everything he deserves because it's wicked and evil, killing those two children. Well, you know what? Favor, it says here in verse number 30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. There's the real inward beauty, right? It's fitting that we honor mothers. And it's especially fitting today because how of how the foundation of motherhood is under attack. And again, if you don't understand that, you need to you need to start paying attention. In, on July 1st of 2021, the state of Wisconsin introduced a new law allowing parents to identify simply as parent or parent giving birth on a child's birth certificate. The Biden administration in 2022 replaced the word mothers with birthing people in the fiscal year budget. Your federal government did that. The National Education Association, the country's largest labor union, recently proposed a resolution to change the word mother in contracts to birthing parent. And the reason they did this was for the purpose of being inclusive to the LGBTQIA plus community. If that isn't a joke right there, that this is taken seriously in our country, and you didn't believe me when I said our country's upside down, that there ought to give you an indication. According to the resolution, I'm quoting the resolution, using this contract language, members need not worry about how a board of education or solicitor defines maternity leave, mother and or father. The language is an inclusive reflection of LGBTQIA+, how, how how members build families doesn't stop there. Recently, Apple, I don't know if you knew this, Apple unveiled a pregnant man emoji. This is an attempt to get rid of mothers, to downplay the significant role of mothers, to give mothers the honor that they deserve. Look, man, I'm here to tell you, and I wish I could herald this across the entire world, no, a man cannot have a baby. I don't care what ignorant fool you are elected to what public office. You're an imbecile if you think a man can have a baby. Mothers, you're not birthing parents. You are mothers. 
wear it proudly. Be thankful for what God has done in allowing you to be a mother. Jean-Louise Henriette Campon was a French educator and writer who served Marie Antoinette before and during the French Revolution. Afterwards, Napoleon Bonaparte in 1807 uh, promoted her to a position in government dealing with the education of girls. When Bonaparte asked Madame Campan what the French nation most needed, she simply said, Mothers, our nation needs godly mothers. Mothers who care enough about their children to put their own desires aside and comfort their children. The way that God comforts His people. Oh, praise the Lord for godly mothers. Praise the Lord for the comfort that He provides His own. As one whom His mother comforted, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Wow. A mother's comfort. The Lord's comfort. Praise the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray.